May I have your attention, please? Good evening. You're listening to Straight Talk with Dean and Mark. We thank you for tuning in and hope you enjoy another exciting episode of our show. Gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Straight Talk with Dana Mark. It's a six-man Dane Geronimo in the studio. It's about 64 degrees and raining here in the great state of New Jersey. I hope all of y'all are keeping safe because there's been tornado warnings. The weather's changing a little bit. Snow in some areas. I know they said down in Georgia got some snow. Up in Ohio got snow. So it's pretty decent here right now, but... Of course, we know that can change with the blink of an eye. Um, in fact, speaking of change, the NFL postpones the Ravens-Steelers game for a third time with the matchup now set for this Wednesday, which is December 2nd. Um, for the third time in six days, the NFL has postponed Tuesday's game between the Baltimore Ravens and Pittsburgh Steelers amid the Ravens' COVID-19 outbreak. So the meeting of the AFC North rivals originally set for Thanksgiving night. Now scheduled to be played Wednesday at 3.40 in the afternoon, the league announced. The Steelers Week 13, the games against the Washington football team also will be moved to Monday. The Ravens home contest against the Dallas Cowboys originally scheduled for this Thursday, which would have been December 3rd, has been pushed from Monday to Tuesday. So the league first delayed the Ravens-Steelers game to Sunday and then to Tuesday. So prior to that initial postponement, they had not moved the game since week five. So, you know, the COVID-19 is, is, is making a rebound. So make sure y'all keep your mask on. Make sure you, ha- you know, social distancing. Keep your hands washed. Stay safe, y'all, because um, since Baltimore's week 11 game against the Tennessee Titans, team has placed 21 players on the COVID-19 reserve list, which is designated for those who either test positive or designated as high-risk close contact with those who have received positive tests. Alright, so on Monday, the Ravens activated four players from the COVID-19 reserve list but put four more on it. The team has 19 players who still remain on the list and had at least one player test positive in each of the last nine days. So, it, like I said, it, it's serious, y'all. Make sure you stay safe. And I don't know who's thinking about the vaccine or taking the vaccine. I got to check a little bit more into it before I say yes or no either way. We're going to see how that works out because if it is something that is uh, that'll help us, then cool. But if it's something that'll harm us, it's something that we may need to uh, take a look at. 31 days left 
in 2020. It's been an interesting year. One of the biggest highlights is um, 1600 is about to get a new tenant. So, you know, and with that, President-elect Joe Biden and Vice President-elect Kamala Harris unveiled the members of their inauguration committee and a new website this past, uh, well, today. The presidential inaugural committee will be led by Tony Allen, president of Delaware State University and longtime aide to Biden. By Allen's side will be Maju Varghese, who served as chief operating officer and senior advisor to the Biden campaign. Aaron Wilson, a Biden campaign aide, and Yovana Cancela, a Nevada state senator, will also join the team as deputies. In a statement following the announcement, Allen said he had known and loved the Biden family for 25 years before explaining how he pictured an inauguration in a pandemic. Okay, so this year's inauguration will look different amid the pandemic, but we will honor the American inaugural tradition and engage Americans across the country while keeping everybody healthy and safe, Allen said. Baggies was credited by the Biden team with transitioning the entire campaign through an unprecedented shift to remote working amid the uh, coronavirus pandemic. In addition to the inauguration team leaders, the Biden transition revealed its new website where supporters can buy merchandise and subscribe to emails, you know, as well as the social media handle, which is at Biden inaugural. And if I'm quite sure who just came up in the studio uh, from NJ to NC, I'm in the studio with my right-hand man, Mark Lee. So, Mark, tell me what's good in your neck of the woods, my brother. Well, a couple of things are good in my neck of the woods. One, I just did an amazing show on the Mullins Music and Memory Show, and, of course, that'll be downloaded to our audio platform. But we just had about seven of the most amazing Southern soul singers that joined in that conversation. So we ran a little bit over, like a few minutes over. So I do apologize for that. But we had Nellie Tiger Travis on. She's been on before, but also Karen Mm -hmm. Moore, also um, Lady Q, as well as Jesse Terrell, as well as Crystal. And of course, they were talking about their connections to gospel music, to Southern soul. And they come from all over the country. We had people representing Chicago, Atlanta, Memphis, Tennessee, California was in the house. So we had folks from all of the country that are definitely engaged in this music industry, particularly with Southern soul and blues and all of that. But they were talking okay. about, you know, how the ladies feel being part of the music industry. We got into radio. We got into a number of things in terms of how they treat the women in the industry. But also we got into Black Lives Matter and a number of other great conversations. So we were definitely engaged in a great conversation. There were some great ladies. They've got a project out now that's a Christmas project that's um, the Queens of uh, Queens Christmas CD. So we talked a little bit about that. They're going to do a virtual concert in December. I think it will be about less than two weeks from now. But that's one of the things that they've got going on is a virtual concert because, you know, a lot of places, unfortunately, are shutting down in terms of our venues. I was telling them that, unfortunately, one of the boards that I sit on is the Carolina Theater, and they have decided that um, going all the way till June, there will be no performances at the Carolina Theater all the way to June. Wow. We've heard, of course, that Broadway is talking about June or August before there'll be Broadway shows. So a number of folks are being impacted by the uh, virus that we're in the middle of. 
including folks in the music industry. So we shared a little bit about that, but we also talked about Kamala, and I heard you talk about Kamala when I came in. And, of course, yeah. a lot of them were very positive, but one of them was from California, and she does remember some of the views that Kamala had as a DA. So, you know, she did uh, the jury in uh, the words of Miss D.D. Simon, who put this whole Queens project and who is from California, she still got her jury out just based on some of that early history that she remembers of some of the enforcement rules that Kamala has enforced. And of course, we've talked about this off the show before. And, uh, right. you know, you can only do but so much. And sometimes uh, you, your hands are tied and things of that nature. So, you know, while the jury is out, she did have encouraging words for what she would like to see Kamala do. But I can also understand being from that California area, and I won't say she's from Oakland, that I can also understand, and she does have, I think, one young son that might be 15, so I can definitely understand where she might be concerned about how folks might be treating her kids and all of that. So while I did not necessarily agree with everything she said, I could understand where she was coming from. And along those same lines, and this is something that I shared with them, actually I might have shared it on both shows that I did, but I actually had to run a couple of errands, get a uh, new phone, and I'm still using the Google phone, but I do have a new phone that's charging, so maybe later on in this show or <laughs> later, uh, definitely next week, we'll be using the new phone with the same old number, the 813 number and everything, but it's in the process right. of charging right now. That's why we're on the Google line and everything. But what I was going to say is I did stop by the dollar store, and while I was at the dollar store, I talked to a young man who actually, I think he said yesterday, lost his 15-year-old son in a drive-by. And, you know, I was just amazed that the man could even still manage to get to work. Because, but, you know, in this time, this these trying times, when a lot of people are just trying to survive, then I can also understand where, you know, even though you're grieving, you still have to go make those uh, donuts and make that money and all of that. Because he had actually just left one job at a grocery store in order to come to the salad store. It was actually, and I think those are maybe like, maybe 100 feet from each other. So he has gone from one job to the other. And a lot of times folks, when they're grieving, will also do things like that just to get, get their minds off of what they're going through. But right. he was still at work. And I think he put in like between the two jobs, probably about a 20 hour day. But it was just yesterday, I think, that he said mm. that he learned that his, he had lost his son in a drive-by. Man, and that's got to be hard. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not, no, no words can be said to make it better. You know what I mean? So, our, our prayers go to him, man. Seriously. Yeah, my prayers definitely go out to him. The only thing that I can say that I guess is, is the, um, and not to knock it, but it probably would have been harder if that had been the only son, but I think he said that it actually has a big family. So there are, I think he said five or six kids. So, I mean, you never want to lose any kid at all, and definitely you don't want the parents outliving the children and everything of that nature. We know that it happens in society, but it's not what we like to see happen. But I'm thinking that part of the reason that he was able to at least cope with it a little bit better is that it was not the only son. I can only imagine the devastation of losing anybody, period. But if it had, if it had been the only one, that devastation would have probably been like a hundred times worse. But like I said, losing anybody at all is going to be devastating. But I'm guessing that because he does have other kids that he also has to be there to support them in their grieving of their loss of their sibling and also just trying to be the man of the house probably makes it uh, something that he has to cope with but also be strong about the way he's handling things. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, people process grief in different ways. So, you know... It's, it's still something very difficult. One of the things that you never would expect is to outlive your child. You know, like your children should outlive you. 
And you know When that unfortunate thing happens Then No telling how people will react You know what I mean it's That's gotta very be- true No telling how folks are going to react And like I said a number of folks are also paying attention to um, I know we did Thanksgiving We did go to mom's house And we spent that with a very small gathering It was me, my younger brother, my two nephews as well as mom. So it was only five of us for the entire two days we were there. We got there Wednesday night. And by the way, you know, that was a long trip. And I'm sure mom was worried because as we were coming there, going up to mom's house, there was a accident somewhere far up. And I don't even know the nature of the accident because it was far up and it was nighttime. So I could not see what happened. But whatever happened, it took them about an hour to clear it out. I know my nephew called mom up at about, um, I want to say it was nine o'clock. And it was like, we're on the way there. And then, uh, you know, it was like we were stuck in traffic for about an hour and 10 minutes while there was no traffic moving at all while they were cleaning up whatever they were dealing with in the sense of that accident. So, you know, I think by the time we got to Mom's house on Wednesday night, it was probably close to 11.15 or 11.30. And then, of course, we did do the whole Thanksgiving uh, meal. Actually, we did breakfast and dinner on two days, both uh, Wednesday and Thursday. And of course, there was some great food. There was even a little bit of leftovers. I think I might even have a little bit of the leftovers. Not much. There might be a little bit of the uh, beans. I can tell you all the meat is gone, but there might be a little bit of the beans and maybe a little bit of uh, greens and everything. And I do mean just a little bit, like a smidgen of greens that are left. And of course, you know, you can't stop at mom's house without mom looking at her cabinet and giving you a supply of her own stuff. So a lot of that's already gone, so I know she gave me a couple of cans of soup, and I'm actually looking at one of the cans now that has not been fixed, So, uh, and there's a couple of other ones. So I've got at least three or four cans of soup that were given out of mom's cabinet, and, you know, mom's also going to give a little bit of cash because I don't care whether you are 15, 35, 55, or I would even argue 75. If you're lucky enough to still have your mom at 75 living, they're going to look out for their folks, and I think that that's true of both parents. But mom's even more particular than dad's, in my opinion. So like I said, the mom was going to reach into the uh, little envelopes and be like, oh, here's some money. And, you know, gave my brother some. And, of course, he's got a bigger family, so he got a little bit more. But still, she's like, here's some for you as well. So definitely moms are going to do that. They're going to look out for their folks no matter what your age is, I'm sure. I can't remember if your parents are still living, Dean. But if they are, I'm sure that they try to find ways to look out for you. It might not be money. It might be you know, just care and loving or whatever, but definitely, as long as they're in our lives, they definitely try to look out for us in any way that they can. And then it was also good bonding with my nephews, because like I said, I, you know, we live in the same town. I don't see them as much as I should and probably could, but I know I've been to a couple of their soccer matches. I think I went to one of their flag football matches sometime back, but, you know, I was bonding with the older one. He was telling me about video games that he plays all the time, and at one point, he's like, here, Uncle Mark, I need you to pick a character. So there's a whole bunch of characters with this game called Brawl Stars. And he's like, well, which character should I play? So we bonded and we also bonded watching what some people might consider a silly family movie. But all of us, all five of us, I think, were sitting there watching it and really vibe into Zootopia. So even though it's an animation movie and definitely involved animals and predators and prey and all of that, it was still a cute movie. And we definitely enjoyed watching it. And of course, we did watch the sports. I'm actually trying to figure out if I'm going to make the playoffs or not make the playoffs because right now if I win I make the playoffs if I lose then I might be in the sucker bowl but the catch is that my team is playing tomorrow his quarterback is playing tomorrow so I need your defense to do good but I need the quarterback not to do that good 
and I need maybe the running back to do good because I got the running back, I got Marquise, and I, I, he's got Le, he's got Lamar. But then you know that's a COVID game, so they postponed it from I think it's supposed to be played Monday, and then they moved it to Sunday, and then they now have moved it to Tuesday. So if the game doesn't happen, so I'm kind of like torn because I want the game to happen because I don't want any game to be canceled. But if the game is canceled, then I automatically win, and I don't have to worry about it. just kind of juggling act as to whether Lamar does good or the defense does good or whatever happens in that regard. So I'm kind of torn. So I'm waiting to see tomorrow if we actually have a Tuesday night game. And if we have it, then I'll be doing a lot of wishing as to who does good or does not do good so that I can still win. Because right now, I'm one point ahead before we get into the matchup, and we don't even know if the matchup's going to happen because, like I said, that game's been postponed a couple of times. I have not looked to see if they postponed it a third time. But usually if they don't have it by Tuesday, it's not happening. So we'll find out if no, they actually manage to it, get into COVID protocol. It's been postponed to Wednesday, bro. So now I gotta wait till Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, it's been postponed to Wednesday, and then they moved the other games that were supposed to take place this week. Like um, Baltimore was supposed to play Dallas on Thursday, but they moved right. that, and I believe they moved it down to like Monday. So you know. <laughs> It's been interesting. 19 players from Baltimore still are on the COVID list. So they took like four players off and put four other players on. So as many as 21 wow. have as many as 21 players out of the 53 man roster have been uh, put on the COVID list. So you know. They just keep on. They just keep on pushing it and rescheduling it until they get to a point where, you know, it's um, something good will end up happening, and nobody end up being, you know, sick or uh, susceptible to testing positive. So, I know the uh, the Eagles are supposed to be playing tonight against the Seahawks, and. Um, they're debating on whether Carson Wentz is going to play that whole game or whether they're going to turn it over to Jalen Hurts, my fraternal brother. So hopefully, you know, he'll get more reps in because, um, I mean, I don't care who wins the game. I just give Jalen Hurts some more time on the field. That that would be good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we need to give him some more time on the field. That's for sure and everything. But I'm sitting there going like, yeah, because I'm like I said, I'm kind of torn because now I got to wait till Wednesday for the results of my game to see if I'm even gonna have a game or not in terms of my results. Because right now, like I said, I'm literally one point ahead, so now I got to wait two days. And but we actually had—I don't know whether you have this in your fantasy league—but we actually have a taxi squad. So I had demoted two players to the taxi squad, but then I had to wait for all the other games to be played in order to pick up some players. So I don't know what's going on with my taxi squad. So right now I'm moving from 16 players to 14. And then I dropped some players that weren't doing anything so I could pick up another defense based on what's going on with everything going on with the Baltimore-Pittsburgh game. Because like I said, I got Benny Snell playing, which is, you know, is one of the Pittsburgh running backs. I had Marquise Brown, who is on your team, the Ravens, and I had the Baltimore defense. He had Lamar. So we got three players going against one. But, you know, sometimes the quarterback racks up a lot of points and sometimes the other people don't do anything. So who knows what the heck will happen with that. Right like, now I think I'm in decent shape, but whether we have a game or not, but. If we don't play, I know I've won. I've won by one point, but who knows what's going to happen in this whole regard. <laughs> this whole COVID thing is going on, and it's just amazing how this whole thing is playing out. And then, like I said, I know that a lot of folks were concerned about travel. That's where I was going 
in regards to the travel. A lot of folks were concerned about the travel aspect, thinking about um, whether it would be a spike. And I don't know how it is in New Jersey, but here we have already seen a couple of spikes based on folks going out for Thanksgiving and getting ready for Christmas. And they're expecting more spikes to happen in that regard as well. Even though most people were doing like we did, did a smaller family gathering. You did have some folks that did the whole, you know, bells and whistles. They did the whole nine yards with, you know, 15, 20 people, no masks, no nothing. I know when we came into the house, we were wearing masks. I mean, we got, everybody was comfortable and the mask did come off a couple of times, but definitely we were trying to be as protectful as possible. Uh, mom has actually got a big dog. I mean, uh, she was a grandparent. He's just the model and everything. But we decided not to do our usual Christmas tradition because usually right after Thanksgiving, we put up the Christmas tree. But mom's big dog is not quite trained. So we didn't want to put up the Christmas tree and have the Christmas tree come tumbling down. And then mom get mad at the Christmas tree and get mad at the dog. So we did not want the dog to go to doggy jail or or, or, or worse yet, get um, become uh, like doggy stabbed. So we wanted the dog to at least be in a peaceful place where it did not like run into all kinds of trouble because it did not do what it was supposed to do. So me and my, uh, well actually my nephews and my younger brother opted not to put up the Christmas tree at this particular moment because we knew that at this particular moment the dog's a little rambunctious and the tree might come tumbling down and mom would be screaming at the uh, dog and at the house. So we did not need that happening. Yeah, you wouldn't want that to happen either, because that could be a very uh, difficult thing. <laughs> you don't want yes, anything to happen. Yeah, that could be a very yeah. difficult thing. Yeah, yeah. So, have, do, do y'all put y'all decorations up earlier? Do you put them up later in the year, or do you not even deal with Christmas decorations? You know what? Um, Christmas, ever since my mother passed, man, back in 1996, for me, holidays are not the same my wife loves to put up the Christmas decorations and stuff so she'll probably be doing that usually she does it after the 1st of December and then you know kind of help her out a little bit with that but it went when I was single you know nah we're not doing decorations I'm not putting up anything in fact I think I posted something on my personal page that'll probably irritate some people because, you know, it kind of spoke to December 25th not being the actual date of birth of Jesus and why. And, you know, yeah, well, how- I mean, I've heard that conversation said before because you know, a lot of people have no exact idea as to what the exact date was because don't we use a whole different calendar than what they were using back during that time and everything? So, the, you know, how they came up with December 25th, who the heck knows, you know, and of course, a lot of that involves in who was writing the books. I mean, there's like Roman versions, there are different versions of the uh, Holy Book and all of that. So, the exact date, and then one of the things that I've talked about, and some folks might get mad at me for even bringing this up and everything, is that, you know, we always talk about uh, the birth, and of course, uh, that's covered very well in the Holy Books, the, the birth and period and everything, and of course, we know that most of the um, great miracle work was from the time of his being a teenager till his um, crucifixion and everything, so we got like from teenager till 
his latest adult years or the adult years that he made it to because he was crucified at a very young age. Um, I don't know how young it was for that particular time frame because I don't know that anybody was living all that long lives back then. But definitely, I think that it was like maybe the 30s or something like that. I'm not a biblical scholar, but I want to say that maybe he made it into like his uh, late 20s or early 30s. But now that period in between, in between like the childbirth into the teenage years, I don't even know if that's covered in the book. And like I said, I do not claim to be a biblical scholar. I don't even claim to go to church that much. But if you know, let me know. If anybody's watching and they know, let me know. So or listening, let me know. So definitely, what what has been your feelings on that, and what have you learned about that in your own church going and everything? Because I never hear people talk about that middle phrase between like the first period until like his um, times of journey to do the miracles, which I believe was when he was a teenager. Well, you know. <laughs> It's more than 66 books of the the Bible, and I think some things were left out intentionally because the more you know, the more you can question. You know what I mean? So if I give you just enough for you to put a story together, for you to understand it, like you said, that that part of of life is missing. So what happened during those during that time um, it's, it's like he, he didn't go from being a baby to being a, a grown man like <laughs> where's the middle part but I, I believe that all of those books are probably hidden in the Vatican somewhere man and they're like yo we're gonna hold on to these and um, we'll let you know when you can come get it like never but you know what I mean? They, they'll tell you, all right, yeah, we're going to hold it for you. We're going to keep them safe, meaning, i.e., you'll never see them again. So you have those different things. You also have some, um, I guess, some individuals will say you need the Old Testament and the New, and the New Testament. And then some, others will say, well, the Old Testament was the old agreement. The New Testament was the new agreement. Jesus paid for the old agreement. So some of those things, the things that are in there, you really can't base today off of. So it gets confusing, man. You know, sometimes you just got to sit down and study with somebody who understands it a little bit more than you may, you know, or, or speak with your minister or your religious leader. And, and to get a better understanding of all of this stuff, because hey, all right, you know, I've heard somebody else say it's a book of stories. Yeah, it is, but it also tells you how one should go about conducting themselves in everyday life. So, you know, everybody looks at it a different way. Some people don't believe that there's a higher power, you know, and. I'm not. I'm not in the in the business of you know. Some people argue with them all day long, but I don't have to answer for you. I only got to answer for me. So if you don't believe, I'm not gonna sit there and try to prove it to you. You know, you, <laughs> you can't see air either, but you believe you can breathe it. You know what I mean? So it depends on how. Yeah, that's true. You, it, it's interesting, you know. Yeah, it's interesting. That's very true. And also along those same lines, I know I was watching 
one of our IBM TV shows earlier today. It wasn't one that I was participating in. But there were some gentlemen on the show that were basically making the argument that they do not think that climate uh, problems can actually be proven. And I don't know that I buy that because I'm seeing, like, you know, things that are changing that have not been the same. You know, hurricane seasons that are much longer. Definitely the um, glaciers are definitely melting. A number of other things that are happening, fault lines in places that never had fault lines and things of that nature. So how this particular individual could say that there was no proof that climate change when the empirical proof to me is right there. But like I said, you know, not everybody believes empirical proof. And like one person said on that same show, there are still some folks out there. I don't think there's a lot of them, but there's still some folks out there that literally believe that the earth is flat and that, you know, that there's not a round circle that we're on and things of that nature. And of course, we do know that there are a number of folks that definitely don't think that we ever went to the moon or ever went anywhere near space. That one, I might still have some arguments on seeing that yeah. side and everything, but I do not see the whole thing about climate change. So I can see a little bit of the argument in reference to whether the uh, we went to space or not went to space. But in terms of climate change, I don't see how you can look at what's been going on in the world and been going on for a number of years and not think that some things are changing and have been consistently changing for a number of years. So I don't know how you can even buy into that argument. But hey, there are folks that will give you all kinds of things, including telling you that the earth is flat and that, you know, the clouds are um, you got, you know, that you can actually sit on the clouds or something else that's probably totally insane. But, you know, folks have all kinds of belief systems. I also remember that there was a time frame when folks were going around and having that kind of like mentality about when the world will end. And there's always these predictions of when the world will end based on what certain people might have said, whether that was Nostradamus, whether that was what they read in a book or whatever. But I think that uh, definitely within a lot of the religious books, they say that we will never know the time or place until that time or place happens or something along those lines. I'm probably paraphrasing it, but basically it's that y'all can guess all you want to, but until it happens, there's no need for y'all to try to guess. But that's kind of the concept of what that is. But folks still try to guess. And as far as I know, um, we're still here and there have been at least several in my lifetime and then I can even name some of them. I think people are predicting, you know, the new millennium would be one in 2000. I think there was one around 2001. There was one, one involving the Mayans that I think was around 20, uh, 2020 and we've already been past 2020 and things of that nature. So there have been a number of them revolving around a number of things and the best I can tell we're still here unless we, unless this is a mirage and we're not here and we just think we're here but unless this is a mirage I think that none of them have been conclusively proven and therefore folks will keep guessing and base it on whatever they feel like basing it on. I'm trying to think of another milestone. I'm sure people like to do things around movies and there was that movie 2001 so People were thinking 2001 because of that movie. People were thinking of definitely 1984 because of that book. And I think that was a movie as well. Um, I can't think of any movies that were based in the 21st century. Like, you know, I can't think of a movie called 2024 or 2028. But I'm sure that there might be one, something along those lines. And if there are, right. then folks will do that as their predicting force. But folks like to predict based on all kinds of reasoning and all of that. But, you know... Uh, whatever your reasoning is until, you know, until the things happen that have been uh, foreshown in certain uh, books of like holy books and things of that nature. But until those things happen, it's all guesswork. So you know, I don't know about you, Dean, but until I actually see the chariot, then I'm just guessing anything else is strictly guesswork. Yeah, it's guesswork. And, you know, they do say, you know, we know not the day nor the hour. So it, it, in some instances, you know, some people say, oh, well, we're going to die now. 
right, well, either you believe, but you don't believe, or you're just easily influenced. You know, yeah, live every day like it is the last one that you have, but I mean, we I'm glad we don't know because imagine if you were counting down and be like, all right, today's the last day before we all, you know, either get resurrected or destroyed, how chaotic that would be or how stressful that would be dealing with um, that type of situation. That would be cool for me. So, you know, I'm just going to have fun with the life I've been given to live, man, and you try to treat people right and, and lift some people up along the way. And as I climb, I keep lifting and keep trying to do something to help somebody else. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's so all we can do is just try to lift other folks up and try to give them to give that positive thoughts and all of that and hope that they will definitely reach out to us and give that positive vibe. And by the way, I see that a uh, person has called. I'm hoping that that's Mr. Hedge. And I'm also expecting another gentleman to call in that might be calling about sports. But I did see that in the studio because I do have access to the studio as well. That somebody's okay. on the line. So if you want to bring them in and we can have a conversation with them, that would be great and all of that because I think that might be Russ Hedge who is a powerful motivational speaker and he's written a book that I think you're going to love the title of if that's actually who's called us or it might be the gentleman that's into sports but I do know that Mr. Hedge did say he was going to call hopefully around 7.30 and it is around 7.30 so let's see if that is Mr. Hedge and we'll see if the sports guy calls in as well but uh, the title of his book and that's why I think you'll love the title is Befuddled and I'm looking for him to tell us as why he called it that and you might have some thoughts about being befuddled even in the prison system where you work at and everything. Because I know even in my job, I sometimes feel befuddled. But let's see if that's who that is and what he's got to say about this whole concept of being befuddled. All right, let's find out. Thanks for calling Straight Talk with Dana Mark. You are now on the line. Please tell us who you are and where you're calling from. Hey, guys, this is Russ Hedge. And it's so great to be on with you guys. Calling from Salem, Oregon. All right. That's right. He's calling us all the way from Oregon and all of that. By the way, we've been having rain here in North Carolina. There was some heavy rain yesterday. I'm not sure what's going on where Dean is at in New Jersey. I know some friends of mine in Florida were also having some heavy rains and all of that. So in Oregon, y'all were dealing over the last several months with fires and all of that. So um, how are y'all maintaining with the fires? And Russ, if you would tell Dean, like I said, I've had the pleasure of talking to you on one of the streaming podcasts about Befuddled, but tell a little bit to our listeners, since this is the audio version, as to what Befuddled is all about. Like I told you before, I love the title of that book, and I know that we've all had our Befuddled moments. I'm sure that even Dean, by the way, works in the correction system there in New Jersey, and I'm sure that he even runs into times where he's befuddled by both his fellow folks in corrections as well as by the inmates. So I think we all run into being befuddled at one point or another, but I think that you actually share that whole concept of being, and like I told you before, I am single, but Dean is very much in love with his wife, and definitely she is one of her, his greatest supporters, and I believe that's what you told me about your wife. Is she's the one that actually gave you the title for the book. So share a little bit about the book and also about your connection to your wife. Yes, well, first of all, my beautiful wife is right beside me right now, and yes, the title for my book was completely her idea. Um, you know, I think it's it's been really interesting because if there's ever been a year where people have been befuddled and needing to really choose the life they want to live, uh, it's been 2020. I mean, it's been a crazy year. And, you know, really, I, 
I began the idea for the book to inspire people, to encourage them, because really the title of Live the Life You Choose is really the point of my book, is that we all have crazy things happening to us, things in this world that, you know, we have to deal with, but then we get to choose how we deal with that and choose the life that we live. So, um, yeah, the uh, befuddled was just a really catchy word. The reason um, I got that word was because one day I woke up, was in a big hurry, and uh, trying to get out of the house. My wife said, are you okay, honey? I said, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. She goes, no, because that's my go-to. I'm a, I'm a positive. Everything's okay, right? But she goes, no, really, really, are you okay? Because you look kind of befuddled. And I <laughs> I said, no, no, I'm not befuddled. I'm fine. I'm fine. So as I drove to my first appointment in my car, I'm thinking, yeah, she's right. I'm completely befuddled. And so I was just out of sorts, you know, and people live a life a lot of times with lacking direction and purpose, out of sorts, really befuddled, and uh, they just need to stop and realize no matter what's going on, they can live the life they choose. So that's where the book came from. Sounds like a great idea and everything. So I'm um, going to bring Dean into the conversation. He knows that I do this every once in a while. But, Dean, have there been any times in your life where that lovely wife of yours, the doctor in the house, thinks that you are befuddled as well? And what does she do when she feels that you're befuddled? So are there times that she feels that you are slightly befuddled? I would say no because I'm deliberate and direct. And sometimes that causes a little tension because I mean what I say and I don't take it back. So, I mean, there have been times in my life, my younger life, where I may have been befuddled, but now that I kind of, I've been through a few things and and have been able to overcome some things, I've learned to say what I mean and and not waste a lot of time having to decipher what the intent is or was. Some things I get wrong, some things I get right, but I just kind of like, put it out there. What you see is what you get. I think I, I was going to say, Dean, I like what you're saying. Uh, you know, I'm a lot like you in that sense that I am very, what you see is what you get. Um, mm-hmm. But I think a lot of times that's why I think when we all have those little befuddled moments from time to time, no matter how purposeful or, 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 uh, you know, focused we are, there's times we get a little, wrestled with things you know and so anyway it was just one of those days but <laughs> i just i just i've just always been the kind of guy that loves to inspire people i love to uh, add value encourage people lift them up and inspire them and that's you know that was really my purpose of this book and you know before mark you mentioned the fires and all the stuff we had i mean it you know it seemed like this year was one thing after the other i mean first it starts off covid hits, then we have the social unrest, and then we think nothing else could happen, and boom, then half of our state's burning. And um, that was, I mean, it was dark and smoky for a long time. We were never in danger of burning, but we were 20 minutes away from, from the closest fire, so we were socked in with smoke. So that was pretty crazy, ash and all that. And um, so dealing with all those kind of things is just something that we all then have to take a look at and think. And I think you were talking about this, Dean. We just really need to be really have a good foundation and a purpose in our life for what we're doing. So that helps carry us through those moments. You know, I'm a man of faith, so I have, you know, God in my foundation and I have my beautiful wife and my family. 
and that just keeps me strong and it keeps me focused on my task ahead. And tell people what you mean by a purpose-driven life, because like I said, I know that it's an important part of the book. It's an important part of what you do as a motivational speaker and all of that. So I know a lot of times people hear that conversation. They hear that term, purpose-driven life, but they don't always know what that means. So I'd love to hear in your mind what that means, Russ, and what uh, people that are living purpose-driven lives should be about. Because I've also had a uh, guest that I was talking to on another one of my shows earlier, and he was talking about uh, living holistically. And sometimes people will put holistic lifestyle and purpose-driven life in the same sentences, but sometimes they're not the same. So I was just wondering what your concept of what being purpose-driven in your life means. Yeah, well, that was a great book, by the way, um, but the uh, <laughs> the purpose-driven life. But I, uh, you know, really having your a solid why in your life. Why do you get up in the morning? Why do you do what you do? Why do you do what you do for work? Why do you do what you do for your family? Why do you why do you wake up in the morning? And when you understand your why, then you're able to move to a real purpose-driven life. And what that means to me is being very focused and being very intentional about how you go about things. Because if you are not, specific, I mean, especially this year, if you are not very um, intentional and solid w- in your foundation, you're going to struggle with pretty much everything in your life. I had a pastor years ago that gave a good, um, uh, just a really good illustration of, you know, your foundation in your life. Of course, he was talking about God at the base of your life. But whatever that is at your foundation, if it is not a big, strong foundation, it's just a little teeny thing and you're really kind of wishy-washy and you're not sure about why you do things, anything you stack on that is going to make it unsteady and is going to end up tipping over and falling. And so, but when you have that big base at the bottom, no matter what you put on, that's still going to stand strong because you have a firm foundation. And so I think to me, that's what we're talking about. To have a purpose-driven life, you need to have a strong foundation. You have to really have a specific intentional why about your life, why you do what you do, and then move forward intentionally doing that. That makes a lot of sense. Now, you have some people that, for whatever reasons, they fall off of the uh, radar in terms of, like, uh, accomplishing their goals, accomplishing whatever they want to do. And sometimes it's because of things that are uh, within their control, but it might have been leading them to bad decisions or whatever. So my question to you, Russ, is can you drive, can you have a purpose-driven life if you're coming out of those bad situations? Like I said, we've got a number of folks here in the United States that are going through homelessness and are fighting homelessness. Dean, like I said, worked in a prison system, so a number of times folks will make that bad turn and they'll wind up being, you know, going through the prison life. And then, of course, they want to rehabilitate their lives and become more driven but get back into doing something good for society after they made that bad decision that got them behind the bars and everything. So can you have the kind of things that you are promoting if you've had those negative aspects in your life or is it like after you made that turn, you can't turn back? So I was just wondering your philosophies when you, and do you ever do any work with people that have made those decisions, whether they've been homeless or whether they've been in the prison or a number of other places, or is all of your work right now pretty much in corporate America? No, I, uh, you know, I am a firm believer. First of all, I can only speak for myself, but I'm a firm, firm believer um, in that everybody, you know, I think God meets you where you are. That's just my my um, uh, real stance in life. But I think that 
you know, when you look at where you're at, you get to choose where you go from there. My kids used to always kid me because I'm the super upbeat, happy, positive guy. And they'd always tell me, Dad, everything is not always happy. And I, I would laugh and say, well, that's true. It's not always happy. But what we do with it from whatever comes at us, whatever hits us, how, the way we filter it and what we do with it from there is our choice. Now, there's some situations that are way harder than others that you mentioned. And I have had actually friends and uh, people through my ministry and all the different things that I've done over the years that I have been in tough situations or that I've known and then have gone through really tough situations. And so I've been able to walk with that through some of those situations with them. I had a really good friend that came into our church that had been, that was homeless at the time. Uh, Also, I always try to really reach out to people and understand where they're at because I don't know all their feelings and I don't know what they're going through. I don't, I realize I don't get it. But I, I try to at least meet them where they are and then be encouraging because they get to choose where they go from there. And, yes, some people it's way harder than others. I get that part. But, you know, everybody has to make that decision for themselves. Where am I going to go from this point on? And there's so many great stories that we know of, people that have turned crazy bad lives into really wonderful lives just by making some good choices. And, you know, we're in our past, we've all made bad choices. Some of them have had tougher consequences than others, but we've all made bad choices and made bad turns and had to, uh, you know, figure out where we were at and where to go from there. In my book, I talk about my college years. You know, I went from being a good kid in high school to college and had a little kind of a wild time in college and really had to re-find myself and my why and my purpose in life. And thank the good Lord that my beautiful wife came along, and that was a big driving factor that helped get me back on track. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we all have to make choices when we go through things. And where are we going to go from there? That's up to us. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. we got to make those choices. And, te- and uh, once we make whatever those choices are, make a decision as to which way we're going to go and all of that. Now, I know that we explored this a little bit on the streaming podcast, but this is a whole different platform. So share a little bit with Dean and myself a little bit about your own background. I do. You definitely have that connection to your religious faith and to the church and all of that. But a lot of folks don't know who Russ Hedge is that are listening on the uh, network and everything here on of the show that we do here every Monday night. So definitely I'd love for you to share a little bit about your own background and a little bit about what you do and how you came into doing the work that you do. Well, first of all, I, um, I was always the crazy active kid. I mean, I was blessed with two wonderful parents. I had a great mom and dad who just were involved in everything that I did. They were always there for me. They supported everything. I was one of those crazy kids that did everything. I was a three-sport athlete. I was in music, drama, band, choir, uh, you know, production, all kinds of crazy stuff. But it was fun. I definitely didn't have any downtime, (laughs) that's for sure. But, uh, yeah, and that's how I grew up in high school, doing all that, went into uh, Oregon State on a music scholarship and um, didn't really know what I was doing. I got a music scholarship, so I just decided to go with that. And I uh, quickly discovered that I didn't really like music theory and those kind of things. I like performing music, but I didn't like music theory. So 
got out of that, went into communications, and the big joke is I got a BS in communications. Um, so that I graduated from Oregon State finally. And, uh, yeah, so what happened is I went into public relations at first, but I'd always been a really good salesman, and so I quickly that quickly changed into sales and marketing. So I had a career of 30-plus years in sales and marketing, and, you know, that same time I was also involved in ministry uh, through, the, through the music ministry. I kept my music going through that, and my family is very musical. Super, I'm a super big family man. Uh, my parents were that way. I have two wonderful adult children, a 30-year-old daughter and a 27-year-old son. Uh, my son's married to a beautiful young lady, and they live down in, in California, and uh, the rest of us live up here in Oregon. And so we're really close family. Um, that's really driven a lot of my choices over the years because I wanted to stay around my family, so I've chosen a career path that kept me close to home because I like to coach my kids in sports and be at their concerts, and they were both very busy like me. So um, my son is in, was in bands and traveled and did all those kind of things. So, um, yeah, so, I mean, that really has driven all the decisions I made. Uh, and then recently uh, COVID hit uh, back in March, and I made the big pivot, which is the big word of the year, and uh, went out on my own and started writing my book, uh, I podcast twice a week, Marketing with Russ, a.k.a. Hashtag Russ Selfie. And it's all about how amazing people connect. And, Mark, you're going to have to be on my podcast because you are an amazing person. And so <laughs> I haven't got to know Dean enough yet, but I'm sure Dean would be great also. Um, and so, yeah, it's uh, uh, just busy doing those things. Got the book published and had my official um, my official release on Amazon and online all that last week, which was great. And uh, so, yeah, I do a lot of coaching, motivational speaking. Uh, this year has been interesting, a lot of online stuff, uh, but I have been able to do a few things in person. And so, yeah, it's been a great year, and that's that's kind of where I am now. Sounds like you're doing some great things, and I know that you're definitely doing some amazing things. What do you think is one of the number one things that people do wrong when it comes to marketing? Because I know a lot of times folks will try to, you know, get like a product. Maybe they'll get a cup or a T-shirt or something like that. But a lot of times I don't feel that people necessarily know even what their market is before they start trying to market themselves or their product. So that's one of the things that I think people do wrong. But I'm just wondering, as somebody that has done a lot in marketing, what is something that you feel that people don't necessarily get about marketing and getting? their name, their brand, their product out there. And by the way, Dean is also involved in a number of things. I've mentioned the work that he does in corrections, but he's also done some businesses of his own. So he's got some business ties and his wife has actually got some uh, business things that she does as well. So Dean, if you want to jump in and share a little bit about all that you do outside of uh, this great podcast that we do so that Russ can learn a little bit about what you do in terms of some of the various projects that you're in. I'm sure that he would love to hear those as well as what Dr. Diamond is doing with that women's group and everything. But I'm sure that is one that both of you have an amazing wives that he would like to hear about some of the things that you're doing both solo and with your wife. So, is Dean going, or am I at this point? I, I got. Uh, I'll let, I'll let Russ. You go. You go ahead and go right now. Okay, and then Dean, I, I do want to hear that. I do definitely want to hear that. I, I was just going to say the answer to your question, Mark. For me, is uh, marketing is all about relationship. Marketing is all about building and connecting. And when people bypass that, they bypass the personal 
core issue of marketing, I think they, they missed the point. My number one pet peeve is when people try to sell me instantly. I, I, I love LinkedIn, uh, for an example, but I, I hate to go on there and someone want to connect and all they want to do is sell me the product right off the bat. I want, I want to know who the person is. Like right now, I want to hear about Dean. I want to know who he is and what he's doing. I want to know about Mark and what you're doing and all of that. I'm not worried about trying to sell you something right now because I want to know who you are, what you're all about, and can, I, can we work together? Can I help you? Can you help me? I don't know without really learning about you. And I think the number one thing in marketing, the mistake that people make is they jump into you know, their, their one-track mind. It's not all about you. It's all about everybody that you're working with. It's about the other person. I love the, um, uh, I love the quote by John Maxwell that says, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. People want to know you care about them. They want to know that you want to invest in them before they are going to care and invest in you. That's how you build a successful marketing and sales career is by investing in others, helping other people, and building those relationships. And, uh, Dean, I want to hear from you about what all the stuff you're doing. Dean, it's on you. Yeah, I'm trying to unmute my mic. I belong to a number of organizations, so, you know, it's basically community service-based with the my fraternal organization, uh, being a, a, a Freemason, um, also the parliamentarians of Burlington and Camden counties, you know, so it's a lot of um, community service in which I do. Um, also, in addition to that, of course, my regular vocation, which is corrections. And my wife, she has a it's called Candid Conversations with Dr. Diamond. So she's a, actually, she has a Ph.D. in advanced studies of human behavior. And she's a, a licensed marriage and family therapist. So, you know, she started a group for, for women where they can discuss issues that affect them. And they, you know, I guess more of a support thing right now. And then it'll move on to for those who may need the one-on-one uh, counseling, then she will be able to provide that for them as well. And Dean also being a little bit modest because he also has some products that he deals, deals with as well because you do have that stuff that you do with like some of the products that you put out and things of that nature. I can't remember the name of the, those companies, but there were a couple of products, things that you were also involved in as well. So if you want to share a little bit about that, I'm sure that our folks want to know that as well because I know one of them involved the TV, if I remember correctly. Well, that that's the only one. Um, you know, sales is not a big thing for me. I'm not really – I don't have that big drive to, like, try to get that sale. <laughs> so this one is actually one of those it, – it's an entertainment um, device, streaming media center. So the price is the price, you know, and it, it, you're able to get, you know, live TV, pay-per-view, um, sports channels, almost every movie ever made and that's it you know what I mean so we do have those and the new model should be available actually tomorrow so sometime in December they should be shipping in sometime this week and then they'll be out for sale after that 
Yeah, so he, like I said, he does a lot of that kind of stuff and everything. Um, uh, Russ, one of the things I know that's very important to you, and we talked about it before, is doing the marketing, but also faith is very important to you. And I know that we've got a number of since we were actually talking earlier before going about faith and about even some of the things that go on within faith. But I do know that that's important to you and everything. And of course, we are getting ready to enter the Christmas season. And of course, a lot of folks are definitely thinking about faith with all this going on in COVID and everything. So I'd love to hear your thoughts about the importance of faith, even in the sense of the way you use it within marketing, because I do know that you are a man of faith and you are involved in your church. So I'd love to hear you talk about the importance of faith to the whole things that you do, whether that's within marketing, whether that's in motivational speaking or a number of other things that you're involved in, because we've had this conversation. So I do know that faith is very important to you. Well, God is definitely the foundation of my life. And I uh, came out of a uh, crazy college career, like I told you, and found the Lord after I met my wife. Um, And since that time, my, my whole outlook um, you know, I've always was a positive, upbeat person, but my whole outlook on life has changed. And I, uh, uh, you know, speaking of that foundation, that illustration that I was talking about that Pastor gave years ago, that's so true because with God in my foundation, no matter what I do, whether it's personal work, um, you know, or uh, recreational, whatever I'm doing is all based on that foundation. So, it really is um, at the forefront of all that I do. And then I actually have been in the music ministry for 30 plus years. Pretty much the minute I got saved, they, they launched me into doing worship and music. And it was fun. I loved it. It was stuff that I love to do. And my wife, beautiful wife, has a beautiful voice. We have two children who are outstanding musicians. My daughter has um, just led a huge church uh, up in Washington and now has moved down to Salem and is busy in the church down here doing worship ministry. My son's a professional musician, works for a big um, uh, mastering company down in Pasadena, and he also travels with a few bands and plays and records and and does all that as well. So, um, you know, it's just, and they all they both are just just love the Lord and everything is at the foundation for them too, and so that means a huge uh, that's a huge thing for me. Um, and the business end of it, I'm not I'm not ashamed to say that I'm a Christ follower and that 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 is what my foundation is. In fact, most businesses I've worked for, you know, the teams I've got, you know, like people attract. So most people that came in loved God, and we would pray and. And I, I wasn't, I'm not a person that's really ever been worried about that. And so, um, yeah, it's just given me strength. It gives me hope each day, and it gives me my positive outlook, knowing that I can move on. And when I say live the life you choose, there is definitely scripture and and uh, and my thoughts about God sprinkled throughout my book. Also, obviously, because just like Dean said earlier, I am what you see is what you get. And that's who I am. And so I couldn't write a book about me without having that in there. And the um, the best compliment I got about my book was from somebody that said, hey, that sounds just like you. And I said, thank you, because that's what I want. I wanted it to be me. I wanted it to be me coming out through the book. And so, yeah, so that, that is definitely the foundation of my life. 
And I know that we've talked before about some of the people that motivate you, and you actually mentioned Mr. Maxwell earlier, but tell the folks that are listening on the radio and everything about some of the folks that have motivated you. And then I'd also love to hear you talk about deciding to write the book. Like I said, even though your wife came up with the idea, a lot of folks, I mean, they say everybody's got a novel in them, but not everybody wants to write that novel, even though uh, with the pandemic, a lot of people probably, we're probably going to see more novels popping out of folks because a lot of folks have more time on their hands. But definitely I'd love to hear your talk about what the what made you decide to write the book and the whole process of writing the book and what that journey looked like, the writing of the book, and then definitely some of the folks that have motivated you, other motivational speakers, other folks that you kind of like use as your framework in terms of like your own writing style. Yeah, well, definitely John Maxwell. Yeah, as far as inspirational writers, um, Simon Sinek, I don't know if you guys have heard of him. He is uh, he's, he's the one that really – uh, the author of, of All About the Why and and really looking for that purpose in your life. Uh, Bob Goff, if you guys have not heard of Bob Goff, man, he is incredible, inspirational. Uh, his organization, Love Does, uh, just serves people all over the world with the things that, that he does. So incredible. He even has a school for witch doctors over in Africa. <laughs> I know that sounds crazy, but you got to read the book to understand it. Um, one of his, he's got three books, Love Does, Everybody Always, and his last one is Dream Big. So, yeah, those kind of people definitely really motivate me. Um, I've got to be honest, in my life, the people that have really driven me and motivated me, uh, number one was my mom and dad because they were they were the ones that gave me the foundation, and my dad was my, my hero growing up. And, um, you know, and then some people locally in my life right now, and they are the ones that have encouraged me. A couple of my friends said, hey, you should write a book, you know, because I would always do, years ago, I started doing a positive, um, upbeat quote of mine on Facebook, and then I do a word of the day on Instagram every day, just positive, encouraging things. And somebody said, man, you got all that stuff, then you should write a book. So I didn't think I ever really would until... Uh, I started the idea, and then COVID happened, and suddenly God created all this space for me to have the time to write and to do the, this new venture, and so that's what really got me moving forward. I had a great journalism professor at Oregon State that, um, that really encouraged us uh, just to write, 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 and not to worry too much about things at first. She would say, just do the next dumb thing when you're writing, meaning that if you get stuck uh, and this is a good life lesson. I have it in my book. But just do the next something. If you're stuck, if you're up against a wall, just keep moving forward. Just keep plowing forward, and you will find that you'll work yourself out of that rut. You'll work yourself out of that situation you're in. And so in my writing style, what I did, I had no idea how to write a book, zero. So what I did is I took the advice, just write, write, write. Someone told me, don't even read it until you've written, like, three-quarters of your book. Because otherwise you're going to get yourself befuddled and all tied up, and you're going to think, oh, wait, and throw it all out, and then you'll be nowhere. So what I did is I, I just kept writing, and about three-quarters of the way, I started looking at it and doing a little bit of editing and finishing up the book. But it really helped me, gave me momentum. Life is all about momentum. Gave me momentum to keep writing, keep moving, keep going. And then when I started working on it, then I got a really good editor, and I had a good friend who was a graphic artist um, and um, some people that worked with me on the finishing touches of the book. 
And yeah, it was it's just a real blessing that I was able to finish it up, get it done, and uh, there you go. Now I'm a published author. What advice would you give to other folks that might want to publish a book? Um, like, what would you tell them they should do? I mean, would you encourage them to go the independent route? Would you encourage them to go with a mainstream press? Or would you just encourage them to put their ideas down if they want to write a book? What advice would you give to folks if they're interested in writing their own book and their own thoughts? Well, really, sometimes it's all the above. Um, the real truth is do what you feel works best for you. If you have a if you have a publisher that's interested in you and wants to, to publish your book, that would be awesome. Uh, but if you don't, the independent way is so easy nowadays. I mean, through Amazon and Book Baby and a bunch of other uh, self-publishing platforms, it's so easy to actually put it together a book nowadays. It seems so daunting, but when you start doing it, you realize you can actually do it. And I think that uh, I think what's important is to not give up, to move forward in spite of not knowing everything and having all the answers. Like I said, when I started writing the book, I had no idea how to write a book. And so you just need to keep moving forward, and you got to get to that point where you think, you know what, if I just keep going, I slowly but surely I'm going to realize I can actually do this. Um, I don't know if you guys um, – I'm trying to think um, – well, anyway, I was I was thinking of an example, but the main thing is having that momentum and keeping yourself going, and that is something I think that people really really need and it encourages you, and that's that's the advice I'd give them. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense and everything. Now, like I said, I know that both you, uh, Russ, and you, Dean, both have that other half that is kind of y'all's rock and everything. So if you could talk to our audience about the importance of having that person in your life that kind of is your rock that kind of keeps you going and grounded, that's the other half and everything. And like I said, you said you've been married for a number of years, Russ. So I'll turn it over to you, Russ, and then I might turn it into my partner, Dean, to hear his thoughts after he hears your thoughts. But talk about the importance of having that uh, spousal support. Because I do know that in our, some of our past conversations, that spousal support has been very important to you. I'm one of those folks that's still in the late 50s in the single camp, but definitely those of you that are fortunate enough to have those significant others, they oftentimes play an important role in what's going on in your life. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on the importance of having that lovely wife of you as described her on your side and everything. And then I'd also love to hear you talk about the importance of having the support of your kids, because that also seems very important to you as well. Yeah, well, I am blessed with a beautiful wife who is outside of God, is my number one uh, strength supporter, uh, fan, uh, helpmate. She is there for me. And, you know, life is not perfect, but, man, I, 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 really, I really married up. <laughs> I was blessed. And um, I was obviously smart enough to figure that out and ask her to marry me. So, um, yeah, it, it's been... It's it's really everything to me, you know. I I um, am blessed to have her with me all the time, and then we have two wonderful children. Oh, and by the way, 33 years this coming Saturday on December 5th, um, and we've been together just over 34, but married 33. Um, and uh, she, uh, we usually always take a little getaway on the weekend for our anniversary. Uh, we love. There's a place up in, kind of up in the, uh, up in the mountains on a river that we like to go to here in Oregon, uh, which is very relaxing and quiet. So, but then we had two 
outstanding children, and we must have done something right, or God just really uh, fixed all the mistakes we made. But <laughs> but we have two wonderful children, and my, like I said, my 30-year-old daughter, beautiful young lady, works for a financial institution uh, here in Oregon, and um, does the music ministry, and my son down in the music industry down in California, um, married a beautiful young lady uh, just this last year. Actually, the day before they shut everything down in Seattle, Washington, they got married. So, yeah, they barely made it. Um, but it was, uh, yeah, he, he has been blessed with a great job um, down in California, and she is actually getting her Master's of Divinity down there at Fuller Seminary. And, uh, yeah, the strength of family, I think, is the most outside of the Lord himself is the most important thing. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I'm sure a lot of folks would agree with you on that. Now, you're currently in Oregon, but you're originally from Wisconsin. Now, what made you decide to leave the colds of Wisconsin? And by the way, I did spend four and a half years in the Milwaukee at Marquette University. But what made you decide to leave the colds of Milwaukee to go to the wetness of Oregon? Well, actually, I've always lived in Oregon. I've never lived in Wisconsin, but, yeah, but it, but it sounds like a very interesting like place. Very but no, I'm, place. I'm born no, and raised in Oregon. In Oregon. Okay, gotcha, Fidel. So you've always lived in Oregon. I was actually looking up, I guess, the wrong Russ Edge, but I was looking up something online, and they had said something about Wisconsin, but these things are always wrong. That's what happens on the Internet. They give you all kinds of wrong information sometimes, but that's just what happens. But there's just too many Russ Edges in the world. <laughs> oh, yeah. But definitely. But there's, only one, there's only one true Russ Edge. But, yeah, no, I, I have loved Oregon so much. I've been able to travel a lot, but every time I come home, I'm happy that I live in Oregon, and I really love the environment, nice, green, lush. You know, we live within an hour of the beach and within an hour of the mountains. We live in the Willamette Valley, and it's a beautiful place to live. It was a beautiful place to raise our children. And, um, yeah, I just I just love it. So I've never wanted to leave. I haven't gone too far. I was born in Salem. I'm, I grew up in Oregon City, which is only uh, 45 minutes north up by Portland. And then now I live in Salem again. So I haven't gone too far. <laughs> Pretty much all around that area. So for folks that have not been to Oregon, and like I said, I've only traveled, I think the furthest west I've been is to Nevada. And that was actually maybe about two or three years ago to visit a friend of mine and everything. Even though I've got friends that live in California, a couple of friends that live in Washington and in Oregon, but I've yet to get there. So if somebody was to say that they wanted to visit Oregon, what would be the reason that you would give them to head toward that direction and everything? Because I'm oftentimes fascinated by the West Coast, but I have yet to make it there um, in terms of like the far West, California, Oregon, Washington, all of that area. So if somebody was to want to travel to Oregon, what places should they go visit and what reasons did they want to uh, either visit or live in Oregon? Well, it really, I mean, if people came to the Willamette Valley and the area of Oregon we live in, of course, there's a big, big, Oregon is a big state, and there's areas of Oregon that are arid and dry and, and not nearly as lush and green as where we live. Before but we the live. Willamette Valley, because you have such a mild and nice climate, and yet you're so close to the snow, or you're very close to the beach and the ocean, you have such, you're close to Portland, we're within... We're less than an hour away from Portland. 
which is, you know, a bustling city, for Oregon at least. And um, so, I mean, really, the, the great things to, to do in Oregon, you can do hiking and camping. We, we used to camp with our family when our kids were growing up. Uh, you can drive to the coast. You can drive to the city if you want. I mean, there's so many great things to do. And uh, I just really love it. And I want to tell you, Mark, because if I remember correctly, you live in North Carolina, correct? It is correct. And I have been to North Carolina on a business trip one time, and I really enjoyed North Carolina, too. Uh, the areas down there, though, usually uh, either on the, the southeast or down those areas are still a little bit too warm and muggy for me. I like the fact that the temperature for me here uh, is because I'm a – I'm definitely a fair-skinned Norwegian, uh, blonde-haired, blue-eyed guy, and so it is. Um, I don't deal good with heat or humidity, so that's why Oregon has been especially good for me because the climate is very, very, very nice and comfortable. And we don't have hurricanes, we don't have tornadoes, uh, we don't have any major storms, and so I like that too. Well, definitely got some great things going on there, and definitely the humidity will get to you, even if you're a native, because I am a native here, and I can tell you that the humidity gets to me, and even though Dean's up there in New Jersey, he's got family in Virginia and definitely spent some years growing up around that Virginia area, so I'm sure he can attest to the fact that even though we grew up in this area, even those of us that are natives of here are not the biggest fans of the humidity. So we would definitely agree with you on that, that the humidity can be very uh, – painful. Would you agree with that, uh, Dean? Well, that's true. <laughs> well, Dean, you live up in New Jersey. I love that area. We've been to New Jersey, New York, up the East Coast. Uh, I okay. love uh, visiting that area. I love visiting Manhattan and through New Jersey and through that area. It's beautiful up there. Oh, yeah. So this time of year would be actually it start, the weather starting to change. So we're coming out of the well today it was like 64 um tomorrow is supposed to be like 49 so you know get ready to pull out the thermal <laughs> underwear and try to stay warm yeah no kidding yeah it's definitely getting cooler here too oh yeah definitely tell folks about the uh, podcast that you do as well and i understand that you've either got or having coming up very soon because I did see it on the LinkedIn page, a Christmas special. So tell folks a little bit about what you're doing in terms of your own podcast and just kind of like what kind of messages you put out and about this Christmas special. Because apparently there's a Christmas special yeah, it's, that's going to be coming out in the near future. Yeah. I, uh, that's another thing that I started that I had no idea how to do. I had never done a podcast, didn't know how to do one. Uh, just basically taught myself and figured it out with help from friends and people that had done that. So uh, my podcast is Marketing with Russ, a.k.a. hashtag Russ Selfie. Uh, the Russ Selfie story is a long story, so we're not going to go into that, but let's just suffice it to say that I learned that I love to take selfies, with, which were more us, these groups of people, uh, because everybody laughed and had fun, and it was a good connection it was a good way to connect with people. Everybody just seemed to have fun. And I like anything that people have fun with. So I started doing that. So anyway, the podcast is really about the theme is how amazing people connect. That's my theme of my podcast. And I have been able to interview people from Dublin, Ireland, from India, from Australia, from Canada, 
from across the United States, and I have had so much fun connecting and meeting with many of those are super good friends now, very good friends that I've met. And um, But it's been through this process of connecting with them, and a lot of it's been during COVID uh, that I've connected with a lot of these people. And uh, just really, it's a, it's a short, fun podcast. It's about a, a 13 to 15-minute podcast normally. The Christmas special went over a little bit. It's about 18 minutes, I think. But I like to make it so people can go to the grocery store and back and listen to most of it. <laughs> because the thing I always found with podcasts is it took me three drives to get the whole thing in. And so I really tried to make something short and fun and leave people wanting more. The Christmas special, honestly, Mark, is just... Everybody that's it's people that have been on my podcast in the past or that are recorded and going to be on in the future. I brought them all together and I brought and I ended up with about I don't know about 18 of them came together and we just had fun and we kind of sang some Christmas songs and we danced around and we talked and everybody gave a little short little introduction of themselves and and said why they, what they like about connecting over the holidays and over Christmas. And so that's what it was all about. And it did release today, actually. Um, so it's, it's out there. I, I post my podcast on YouTube, on my Russ Hedge YouTube page, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn. They're on there as well. And I, and I do an audio version uh, so people can listen to that on Amazon or, or um, iTunes or any of the, any of the podcast formats. Sounds great. And you have something else that me and Dean have been trying to get, but we don't have them yet. And we've been doing this for a number of years. So you're going to have to tell us how you managed to get actual physical sponsors because you have the Sugar Vibes Donuts and apparently a mortgage company. So definitely I'd love to learn about how you managed to get some of these people to actually put their names behind your product. So like I said, even though it's a podcast, you've got two major sponsors and one of them is a donut company. And I'm already jealous because I like sweets. Yeah, oh, they're, and they are great donuts. I can tell you that, Mark. They are so good. Hey, uh, well, you know, nobody told me uh, that I couldn't uh, get sponsors until I had millions of followers. So I was just dumb enough to ask people to sponsor me and help, and they just did. And so <laughs> and so it actually worked out. I just, you know... I, you know, I've always been good with people, and so I just started telling people what I was doing, and uh, yeah, I just, I, the first person I talked to, uh, she started sponsoring five podcasts right off the bat, so that was very encouraging, and so um, yeah, I just, you know, really, I think it's just a matter of doing things. I have five steps to connection in my book, and um, it's something I've lived by that I created a few years ago. Uh, well, probably didn't. I didn't create them. I've learned it over the years from wiser people than I. But I put these five steps down that work for me. That's a lot of my book. The things that really work for me that hopefully are encouraging and will work for other people, or something like that. So the, anyway, these five steps. Number one is to start, and I think that's a, that's a key to life. We think, we plan, we muddle, we worry, and we don't start a lot of times with what things that we're doing in our life, whether they're projects, whether they're ambitions, jobs, uh, whatever. we got podcasts, whatever we're doing, we just need to start. Because if we don't start, there we're going nowhere, right? And so that's, that's what I think was so important for these things for me was just to start and get going, and that's what I did. 
And what were the other ones? You said start with the first one, but there's five of them. So what are the other four? And then the other question I was curious about was, I know that sometimes that you just talked about those figures, those big figures. And I know that sometimes, and I don't know if you ever run into this, but sometimes folks would try to throw a big figure and want to know if you have those amount of people before they'll even want to have you as a person that they're willing to talk to. Because I remember there was one lady that runs a dance organization, and they asked me whether I had, like, um, I won't say a hundred thousand or maybe quarter of a million um, people that were listening to the podcast. And while we're growing and while we have a nice amount, I don't know that there's that many. And so they have pretty much written us off for now and everything, but I just wondered, do you ever run into that? And then the other thing was my other question, which is the other four steps. So, okay. First, the second question, and that is thank, thank the Lord. Nobody asked me that question until I actually started doing the podcast for a while. And then I realized that I could track some of that information. And Facebook has some pretty good tracking uh, tools, and so do the other social medias. But so what I did is I started tracking some of that. So I had figures to give people. So, you know, like if I have, so on Facebook alone, I've got over 130,000 engagements in the short time I've done my podcast. And usually when you throw those kind of figures at people, at least lend some credibility to the fact that people are actually engaging with what you're doing. And so, um, yeah, so, I mean, I did that. And, you know, numbers can be deceiving because when I do things on multiple platforms, some platforms don't have as much action as others, um, and it depends on – and when you spread it out, too, it thins out where people are looking. But um, so that's what – thank goodness when people did start asking me, I had that information, and I put together a little uh, flyer that I give to people if they ask. Uh, but the other four, the first question, uh, the other four steps, so um, these are my five simple ways to make a connection. Number one is to start and to move forward. Forward momentum is so critical, and you got to start to make that happen. Number two is focus and be intentional. you got to be super intentional about what you want to do, super intentional about connecting, super intentional about whatever you want to do in your life. We talked about that with purpose uh, and with, you know, with your why in life. Uh, number three is to be real and be friendly. You know, if you want to make friends, you got to be friendly, right? So I'm I'm a kind of a pretty friendly guy. And so, you know, be real and be friendly, um, and that adds value to others. And then number four is be present. So ask questions and listen to people. Be present in the conversation. That's something that I constantly have to work on. I have to work on that all the time. It's, you know, it's not natural, even though we have two ears and one mouth. As you can tell, I talk much better than I listen, so I need to work on that. And number five is be consistent. Repeat that process. Do it over and over and over. Be consistent. It's not, life is not a one and done. I don't talk to Dean right now and talk to you, Mark, right now, and then drop it and never talk to you again and expect that I'm going to have some kind of a relationship or some type of connection because I won't. But if I follow up, which is my, which is what I do, if I follow up and try to make a personal connection and I stay with it, that's how you connect with people. That's how you make friends. And that's ultimately how you move forward in your life, whether it's in business or your personal life. So that's my five steps. And that makes a lot of sense, and that's some great steps. What are some of the other things that folks might find in your book that would be a reason that they might want to buy the book other than those five steps? But what are some of the other things that folks should be looking for in the book that are great tips that you think folks should definitely be living by? Well, I have 
three, the first three chapters pretty much sum up my book. Uh, the first chapter is called Fighting Through the Noise. And of course, we know this year, 2020, we've had more noise than normal. Number two is be intentional. We already talked about that and just being super intentional with your life. And number three is purpose in the midst of chaos. And I think what people, the encouraging point people will get out of my book is that even in a chaotic year like 2020, even in crazy times when there's so much noise in our life and so many things competing for our attention, that we can have purpose and move forward and choose the life we want to choose if we intentionally make that choice. And that's really uh, what I try to um, try to get out there through this book. Um, I just had a, um, a, a new friend uh, who is a professor in India, and he just read my book and just wrote a, uh, he just wrote me a, um, uh, an endorsement on uh, Amazon India, of all things. And so anyway, but he really broke things down really well. And, you know, I think I've used some of those quotes that I've gotten over, over my life, like, you know, John Maxwell's, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, um, my, um, my steps to connection, and also ways that you can actually unclutter your life so that you can start from a more peaceful base and you can actually hear things going on and make good choices as you go because that's really important, as we all know in life, is wherever we are now, it it doesn't matter where we came from, it's where we're going, and we need to just be able to make those good choices and move forward. And I, I think that that's the encouragement I want to leave with people. Yeah, that's some great encouragement, and definitely folks need to be keeping that going and everything. Now that you've got the one book out of your way, are you done with the book, or do you think that you'll be writing other books as well? So I'd love to know what your thoughts are in terms of, like, the book and whether you're going to plan to do other things with the book. So I'm wondering if you're done now or you think that you've got other books that are on your thought pattern. Oh, no, no, I'm not done. This book, first of all, I'm not done with this book because – it was really put in place to uh, use as uh, as something that I can actually give and encourage people when I'm speaking, uh, you know, things out of the book I'll be speaking about or using for my coaching. Uh, and, no, I would love to write a book. You guys were talking about sports earlier. I'd love to write a sports book, actually, but I probably won't because I, I love sports. But, <laughs> but uh, no, I would – I'm, I'm sure that there's another encouraging book in me. And once I get done with, I'm going to do a workbook. I'm doing some um, takeout um, worksheets right now to my book. But when I get those done, I'm going to actually put together a workbook that goes hand in hand with my book. And then uh, probably, yeah, probably launch out on another book. Cause I, I really, as uh, tough as it was at times, um, it's really rewarding um, in the end process to have that done and to have people really encouraged by the work you do. Yeah, definitely. And then one of the other things you do is you do motivational speaking. So if there are folks that are out there that think that they want to go out and motivate people and do motivational speaking, what kind of advice would you give them? Because I know sometimes folks will, uh, which I did not realize that a lot of times those TEDx talks, they're not paid for these, but a friend of mine that does them is like, no, though we do those for free and everything. But what kind of advice would you give to folks if they want to do motivational speaking to get out there and become motivational speakers? Well, if you want to be motivational, you've got to be authentic and be you, number one. People um, are drawn to authenticity, and they're drawn to 
real people. And, you know, we all have struggles. We all deal with things in our life. And we need to realize that everybody's coming from a different place. And um, just instead of just talking at people, I think a lot of it comes at times. And a lot of the speaking I do, too, at times is interactive because I want to know where people are and I want to, to actually connect with people even in those situations. But the number one thing, if, if, you're just, if you're just talking at people, is to be encouraging, be authentic. And, you know, if you are, it's really pretty simple because it's really all about you anyway. You know, it's about the real you coming out. And I think that that people are drawn to and that encourages people. I definitely agree with you that that encourages folks and everything. Now, you said that one of the things you thought about doing was something in the sports realm, and we had been talking about sports earlier and everything, but were you involved in sports as a youth, or what is it about sports that is something that you want to put in this book that you're thinking about writing that is inspiring you if you're going to do something that's sports-related? Well, I love sports, and yes, I mean, when I, by the time I was uh, just a little little boy, I was sure I was going to be in the NBA just like most little boys, and <laughs> and I learned that wasn't going to happen. But I played uh, sports all the way through school. Um, actually, my book does have a chapter on uh, my I, – I give stories about myself. And the story that I give is, you know, I think you get life lessons, true life lessons through sports. Sports is a little microcosm of life. And I really learned focus and intention and teamwork – uh, through through football, uh, and well, through all my sports, but um, the story I gave through um, my high school football years, I you know I was a, I went to a three-year high school, so it was sophomore through uh, senior years, and so before I went there, you know they played in a big stadium, it was very exciting, and I thought that was so cool, and so when I tried out for football, I, I ended up making starting quarterback on the JV team, but I would swing to varsity, so I actually got a dress down for varsity. But I, of course, thought that I was dressing down just to hold the clipboard, listen to the coaches, maybe help signal plays in and just kind of be supportive until the second game when the coach called my name in the fourth quarter. At the beginning of the fourth quarter, of all things, he's like, Hedge, get in there. And I was a little nervous and excited all at the same time. <laughs> I went into the game and uh, realized that I was, I was definitely a little befuddled because I was so excited just to be there that I wasn't really focused on why I was there. So the first play they signaled it from the sidelines, I misread it, and I called the wrong play. And then, of course, the coaches came unglued and yelled at me and screamed, and so then I realized I did the right thing. Well, they called a pass play. And so I was a little nervous, and so but I thought, okay, well, here we go. So I go in, drop back, see my receiver breaking down the field, uh, about a 35-yard pass. He catches it inside the 10-yard line. We end up scoring on my first time in as a sophomore, and I could guess I was a little excited. And uh, but I, what I learned from that whole thing, and what I tell in my book, is I learned not just to be happy with where you are, but why you're there and what your purpose and focus is. And my focus, I learned that from football that you really need focus and intention. There's definite goals. There's specific intentions in football you're there to move down the field and score and win the game and that is what life is all about is that you are in there for specific reasons to do god-given talents and things you have in your life that you got to be focused and intentional to accomplish those and so yeah i just think sports is a great great way to learn life lessons 
And I'm guessing that being over there in Oregon that you might be a fan of some of those West Coast players, whether that's San Francisco, whether that was Elway over there in Denver or a number of others. But who are some of your favorite players, both historically or both currently now in the sports world? And if you say anybody from Baltimore, Dean will be very happy because he is a big-time Baltimore Ravens fan and all of that. But definitely I just want to know your views of your own players that you're big-time fans of. Yes, well, hey, Baltimore is a great team, but I am a Seattle Seahawks fan because they are the closest team to me. And, of course, their quarterback, Russ Wilson. Russell Wilson, I mean, you know, he's got a great name, so he's got to be good, right? So as soon as we get off this podcast, I will be going directly to my television and turning on the Seahawks game because they're on Monday Night Football tonight. Um, but <laughs> So I definitely love them. Growing up as a kid, I'm a kid of the 80s, so um, – I love to watch the um, the battles between Magic Johnson and Larry Bird, um, and of course I was uh, I was I liked them both. They were both awesome, but I was really a Boston fan, um, and so I just liked their style of basketball. But I loved watching the uh, Lakers because, of course, uh, a guy that I went to school with, AC Green, started part of that time with the Lakers, and he went to school with me at Oregon State, uh, so that was kind of cool. And then um, Joe Montana and the 49ers when I was a kid were definitely my football team back then. Uh, I loved Joe Montana. He was something magical about what he did in playing football. But there's so many great, great talents out there now, and I just love watching uh, all of them. And Russell Wilson has got to be one of my favorites right now. Definitely, Russell is a great player, and he actually spent some time at North Carolina State University, so definitely a lot of folks from here also have a great deal of respect for him as well because that was actually one of the places he played college ball at because I think he played to like three or four different places, but I do remember that State was one of the places that he played ball at, so definitely folks from around here have a lot of respect for Russell and because of his connection to NC State and all of that, but definitely I can see that. Um, who were some of the business leaders that have inspired you? And I know that some people will say that that current person at 1600 isn't really that much of a business leader. We've actually talked about that even on this show and everything. But in terms of true <laughs> business leaders, who are some of the business leaders that have actually inspired you, that you actually admire their business sense and all of that, whether they come from the world of sports or from the world of commerce? But I was just wondering who some of the business leaders that you have a great deal of respect for are. Well, they're um... – Boy, there's a lot. I mean, honestly, the people that I have most respect for that I work with are local business leaders. I'm a big believer in local business, and I have some mentors and uh, good friends, local business leaders that I really look up to. Um, you know, there's a friend of mine um, that uh, uh, Lionel that owns a that uh, runs a big um, real estate um, uh, firm here in the area. Um, and so I really look up to him. I just got I just got several. There's you know one some of the some of the sports figures that have really persevered and done things that have been really business wise. You know Michael Jordan. He was maybe the, he was the greatest of all time basketball player, but he's done great in business. People I have a lot of respect for people that have taken a platform and all the money they've made and then turned it into some really great. Things you know, not only in business but giving, and uh, I think Dean mentioned, um, you know, do, doing public service and all that. And I am huge working with nonprofits. We work with nonprofits around the area. I donate my time and, and help 
Um, and so I think that's great when business people have the right reasons and the right why to why they do business, um, and then they utilize that by helping others. I think that's critical, and I think that's everybody should do that. I think it's important. So, yeah, I would say that local business leaders will be my number one. And could you talk a little bit more about that? Because I am a big fan of local business and buying local, but I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about that and why that's so important. Because I know a good buddy of mine who I think you know as well, Brian Showman, did a whole thing around some local business owners that were around California. I want to say it was around the Acadia area or something along that nature, but it was definitely to support our local businesses because a lot of times local businesses is who have been impacted most directly by what's going on with COVID, whether that's small restaurants, whether that's gift shops or a number of other kind of small businesses businesses. So, you know, as we get ready for the holiday season, I was wondering if you could talk in your mind about the importance of local business. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's critical. Local business is um, what drives our economy. And I think that, uh, um, yeah, Brian, first of all, he's a great guy. And talk about, (laughs) I love to radiate positive vibes with that guy. He is just fun, fun, and just really, um, you know, also very focused and driven. And, you know, around this area, I really, my wife and I were just talking about actually, and she brought up to me that we want to be very intentional over the Christmas season on buying from local places in Oregon uh, to help support them. So as we're buying Christmas gifts for people, we want to be able to also support and help uh, the local businesses. And I think that's, that's critical. And everything that I have done in my business life, if, if I work for a company and I come in and they're buying their, their office supplies from across the country or they're buying their printing from across the country, I'm like, why are we doing that? Why are we buying our office supplies and our printing from here in our town or at least within our state, you know? And so I've always reined that in and actually started buying local, bringing stuff in to buy local things instead of all over uh, the place. And I think when everybody supports their local community and their local um, cities and states, everything does so much better. It goes in to out, you know, start small and work your way out. You don't have to buy everything from the Walmarts of the world. You can buy it from the mom and pop shops. Yes, you're going to spend a little bit more money, but it's worth it because it's helping your local economy. Yeah, no doubt about that. And speaking of the local economy, I was just wondering your own thoughts on this, but a lot of folks are concerned about, and we had talked about this earlier, uh, me and Dean, before you joined and everything, about the economy, their own personal stimuluses, and things of that nature. But where do you feel that we are going as a country going into 2021? So what are your, uh, we went through a very tumultuous 2020, there's no doubt about that, but what is your vibes or your feelings as to what direction we're heading for 2021 and beyond? Well, I mean, I have a very positive outlook on everything going on, but I always, I always have. I have a really strong belief that we can, uh, we can only change what we can personally affect, and usually that's our small circle of influence, right? And so you need to take that circle of influence and you need to move forward and reflect, affect it positively so that then that bubbles out from there and they affect their area positively and then it's good for the whole country you know i really got to be honest with you 
I stay away from politics as much as I can, <laughs> and I really work on staying positive and being a positive light for the people around me. I want to help people. I want to move. I do my, you know, I'm, I do my constitutional uh, right, and, and I vote, and I do the things I should do there, and I think that, uh, you know, no matter who ends up, like, leading the country or leading our state or whatever we're doing, People, like the American people, are resilient, and they do they do good sooner or later with whoever's there. That's just my belief because I think people are are good-hearted and they end up affecting each other in positive ways. So I feel really positive about where we're going, and I look for a bright 2021. And no matter if we have another COVID or whatever is around me, I am going to still move forward. I'm still going to be positive. And I'm still going to work to encourage people and bless them with all that I have. And that makes a lot of sense, and I'm sure a lot of people are having that same attitude and everything. Now, if somebody was to ask you your goals for, say, your personal goals for 2021 and 2025, and we'll even go to 2030, what would you say those goals for you are? Because, like I said, I give you one, five, and ten years. So what would you say are the kind of goals that you're looking at doing for yourself, both in the sense of the podcast, the motivational speaking, the book, a number of the other things that you're involved in? But if somebody was to say, all right, Russ, I need to know your plans for one year from now, five years from now, ten years from now. Now, given none of us know, as me and Dean were talking about, whether we'll even get to one, five, or ten. But we can always plan as if we're going to go for 20 or 30 or even 40. So what would your ideas be for your next plans for one year from now, five years from now, or ten years from now? Well, I believe the details will work themselves out, but my, my plan in my heart is to start with positively affecting, you know, this year I've been able to affect maybe hundreds of people, and next next year and on to five years I can affect thousands and thousands of people, and then uh, ten years and beyond I'd like to be able to affect millions of people with a positive message with a, an encouragement that you can do the things you put your mind to um, if you really, I mean, yes, we can't do everything. I get that. But we, when we put our minds to things and when we stay positive, the chances of being successful and moving in the direction we want to go are, are much, much greater and much more positive things are going to happen. I want to live a significant life a life where people realize that I care and that I want to help them. And so really the why, the core of my being of what I do is what I want to see expand over these years. What is that? Does that entail another book? Does that entail big speaking engagements? Well, maybe, maybe not. We'll see where things go. But, you know, I think that I know that I'm going to have a positive influence on more and more people as years go on, and that is really what's important to me. Yeah, that's a great attitude to have and everything. Now, everybody always says that there's at least some roadblock in their life, and I also am one that people are always saying about my smile and that I'm always positive and everything, but there are times that we do face those roadblocks and everything. Sometimes it might be not having the financial resources that you want. Sometimes it might not be not having the connections that you want or things of that nature. So if even within the framework of positivity, if somebody was to say, all right, Russ, what is your one big roadblock? What would you say is the one roadblock that you need help 
remove it. Maybe somebody's listening right now on Straight Talk that can remove that roadblock. But what is the one roadblock that is causing you to not be where you would like to be? And given that you are very far and definitely are doing some great things, but we always have things that we want to do even further. So what is the one roadblock that if somebody was able to remove it, maybe somebody's got that million dollars, if that's the roadblock. What is the one roadblock that you would need in every place? Well, I would say, you know, I I don't really look at it like that normally because I I just try to be a good steward of the resources that God has given me. But, yeah, I would say probably the only real big roadblock that I see in front of me is not possibility. It's not opportunity. It would be resources that I currently have. So, I mean, obviously the amount that you have to spend to work on things to do things affect the the speed at which you can expand and affect and positively encourage people. So that is something that as time goes on, I know will grow. Um, And so that would be probably the number one thing. I'm not all about that, but that's, that's the only thing that really comes to mind to me that um, because I feel like I have the ability. I, I think I told you, Mark, I'm 56 and I'm proud of it. And I feel like I have years and years to go to encourage and lift up and build up people. And so um, those kind of uh, resources and things will, I know that God provides and that will happen. And, you know, I've been blessed to be where I am and to have a nice house and to have a wonderful family and have a wonderful dinner, which, by the way, I have to I have to go to in five minutes. Uh, but, <laughs> but I... Uh, but I need to, you know, that's the, that's the main thing. I'm just blessed and I feel content. But the more, as time goes on and as I grow and as I do more, then I'll have more resources and be able to uh, reach out and affect more people. No doubt about that. Uh, me and Dean can carry it on for the rest of the time. We don't want to interrupt your dinner and everything. But, you know, one of the things I always <laughs> do on all the shows is to give people a chance to give their positive thoughts and their positive messages that they might want to share with the uh, audience and our international audience. So definitely, I know you did that the last time, and I definitely want to give you that opportunity on this platform as well. I am going to tell you that you and Dean actually share that thing of having a long-term spouse and everything because i think you said that you were getting ready to celebrate your 33rd anniversary and i want to say that dean is on not that far behind you so dean as the rust gets ready to bounce and we'll carry on our conversation for the last 15 minutes or whatever but definitely uh share with russ how long you have been together with uh miss uh the doctor and everything because i think that you're not that far behind him if i remember correctly the amount of years that y'all have been married because i think y'all recently celebrated an anniversary as well Dean? Dean's trying to get off of mute. <laughs> yeah, that's the one thing about this right here, man. I started talking, and the mute button just stayed on. So to answer the question, we've been together. This April will be 20 years we've been together. Um, this June will be 18 years married. Awesome. That's incredible. Right. Definitely, like you, like you said, yours is you said thirty-three years or something like that, Russ. That it's yeah, you've been together. Thirty-three years, yep, thirty-three years, and, right. and uh, yeah, I'm I've been blessed for a long time. And you know, um, first of all, Dean, before I forget to do this, um, I would love to connect with you. 
Uh, the okay. best way to connect with me is, is RussHedge.com, but it has links to all my social media. And I don't know if you do social media, but I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, all those things. Um, okay. So I'd love to connect up and, and continue and actually talk with you some more. That'd be awesome. No problem. Thank you. You bet. You bet. Yeah. So, um, and then uh, just to answer your question, Mark, my parting words is, you know, I love John Maxwell talks about failing forward, and that's what I would want to encourage everybody with, and that is realize in your life you're going to fail, but it's okay. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay not to know uh, what you're doing, not to have all the answers, but to be positive, move forward, and make a positive impact. A story I gave in my book years ago was when my uh, friend father was teaching me how to ski, and he told me right off the bat, okay, so this is how you start. And he goes, and you're just, you just need to go and you need to fall. And I, I told him, I said, I do not want to fall. And he goes, no, you need to fall. I said, I do not want to fall. He goes, you need to fall. He goes, if you're not falling, you're not learning. And that's what I feel about life. If you're not failing sometimes, if things aren't happening, if you're not making some mistakes, that means you're not really trying because we're not perfect. And we're all going to fail some, and we're all going to make some mistakes, no matter how hard we try, no matter how good we are. So we need to move forward, be positive, make a difference, and not, do not be afraid of failure because you can fail forward and make it a better life. You can, even if you're befuddled, you can live the life you choose. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Now, me and Dean, before you get off the line and everything, we do want to know what's for dinner and what time we should be getting our flight to Oregon in order to crash the dinner that you're having right now. Because we do want to know, because you said you're leaving us for food. And, of course, me and Dean do love a good meal. So, like I said, we want to know what's for dinner right now. <laughs> well, my beautiful wife has made some chili, her homemade chili, which is outstanding. I can already smell it. So, yeah, that is what's for dinner, and I love it. So I'm going to get a good bowl, turn on the Seahawk game, and relax and, and eat my dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a great plan, and I am definitely a fan of good homemade chili. So definitely I can understand where that would be a great dish to have, a good hearty uh, dish of chili. And I'm sure she probably puts in all kinds of special ingredients to spoil you and spoil the rest of the family as well. So that sounds like a great way to watch the game. Me and Dean just learned that the game that I am concerned about because of fantasy football will now been postponed to Wednesday. I was thinking it was postponed to Tuesday, but now it's been postponed to Wednesday. So who knows whether that game will happen or whether it will impact my fantasy game or whether I'll just have to settle for my one point victory. Cause right now I'm ahead by one point. So if they don't play, I do win. But like I said, we're kind of torn as to whether I want the game to happen or not happen. But we'll find out if that game even takes place because I was thinking it was going to take place tomorrow, and now I'm finding out that it will be taking place on the uh, hour after uh, my streaming podcast, the online dinner party on the IBM TV platform where I'm going to have a whole conversation around education. So I might be either very grumpy after those education people, or I might be very excited. And I'm sure Dean will call me and tell me that the game is on, or he might be calling me, telling me, Hey, the game is off. You've won by a point. Even though we're in different fantasy leagues, but he does keep me abreast of things. And of course we talk even sometimes during the course of the week, just as we keep abreast of the various things that are going on. Because one of the things that we've done, just like IBM 
TV, the international broadcast media has created a television network. We have created our own radio network where we bring in other shows. As a matter of fact, I just had a great idea because we've lost a couple of shows. So, Russ, I'm going to make an invitation to you, and I'm making it in front of Dean. If you would like your show aired, you know, the Marketing with Russ show on our platform, I think that we can probably add you and everything. Because I know that Tish has actually moved away, and so we've been airing some reruns, and I think there might be a couple of other jugglings, and we're always wanting great content. So definitely that's my idea. Dean, do you approve? Do you think we should get Russ in his marketing platform and uh, if Russ's game, maybe we can add his uh, little, uh, well, not little, but his podcast because it's not as big. Some of our podcasts are smaller. Some of them are like us. They're hours and everything. But definitely, um, if you're game, I'm game. What do you think, Dean? That'll work. That'll Dean work. is down. I'm glad you, you do it. <laughs> so we've just added another one. Russ has just agreed to join the network. So tell Dean, tell tell the listener audience about the title of our network and some of the other shows that are on here, and then we'll let Russ go to his uh, chili dish and everything because we only got about another eight minutes, but that'll cover part of that time if you'll tell folks about this great network and some of the shows that we've just added, including Marketing with Russ. Uh, let me write that down real quick because that's what I was getting ready to Getting ready to ask that question right there, you know what I mean? So now, the the name of the network is called the Level Podcast Network. Um, we do have a number of shows on our network to include. Um, and let's let's get down this list real quick, and I'll tell you what we have. We have the Black Girls Guide to Surviving Menopause, um, the Chef Gang Podcast, Funk from the Front Seat. Funk Music with Zach, Let's K-12 Better, Mona Shake and Minority Reports, Mullings Music and Memories with Mark Lee, The Online Dinner Party with Mark Lee, um, The Reinvention Road Trip, She's on Call, and The Just Podcast, The Mark Lee Show, The Spin It Social Hour, Virginia Interface Live, Western North Carolina Original Music, now Marketing, marketing with Russ, and us. Straight Talk with Dina Marks. That's it. <laughs> All right. Sounds great. Yep. Definitely. So we've added marketing with Russ, and of course, we'll see all kinds of marketing tips. And Russ is just an amazing gentleman, so we're going to let him go over there and grab his food and watch that Seattle Seahawks game, where I'm sure he'll be rooting for Seattle against whoever they're playing for. So we know that he's going to be sitting there with like maybe a cold soda or something like that, and that chili, or maybe he'll have something a little colder with a little bit of a harsher kick to it as he's watching that game and everything. <laughs> but definitely, it shouldn't be amazing that he sits there and watches that game, and you know, hopefully it's going the way that we wanted to go, and he doesn't wind up crying in whatever beverage he's having or sobbing in his wife's uh, arms and everything. But we wanted the team that he's rooting for to win because Russ is a very positive guy, and we want him to keep that positive nature while he's watching his team play and everything. Because I can tell you that I sometimes yell at the TV when different teams of mine play. And by the way, the Vikings did squeak out a win against my other team because it was a very close game between Minnesota and Carolina. And my older team, the Vikings, did squeak out that win. It was a very close game. And, of course, we're waiting to find out if Baltimore is going to actually play their game since that is a Dean's team. And I know that I've got friends that are rooting for 
other folks and everything. I know my brother is a Bears fan. I know we've got some friends of mine that are Packers fans. And, of course, I've got a couple that are Dolphins fans and a number of others. So we're going to find out what's going on. And, of course, everybody's paying attention to sports, trying to figure out if we're going to have, like, a complete season or not because that's the other $6 million question. I know that college basketball has started. Marquette started off 2-0, and so they actually won their first two games, and they have a game tomorrow, so we'll see if they make it to 3-0. and Dawson Garcia did a great job as well as some other players. You know, we lost Marcus Howard. He's been picked up by a team in the West Coast. I believe Denver picked him up, if I remember correctly. So, you know, uh, one of our Marquette folks is heading over there to Denver where he will be playing uh, probably in the G League starting off, but we'll see if he actually makes it to the big league in terms of playing for the Denver Nuggets and all of that, but definitely he was drafted by them. My uh, Marquette graduate came in much later than I did, and my good friend, well, my schoolmate, I shouldn't say good friend, but my schoolmate, Doc Rivers, is coaching those 76ers, so we're going to see what they look like as a NBA team, but all of this, whether it's college basketball, whether it's NBA, whether it's baseball, whether it's a number of other sports that are out there, we're playing in front of no fans and we're trying to figure out if we're even gonna have a complete season even with the nfl there's still some question as to whether we'll have a complete season complete with playoffs and a super bowl and all of that but i know i'm rooting for that i know dean who's a sports fan is rooting for that i also know a lot of folks that are saying that it's not the same if you don't have the fans there and i do agree with that while i like the virtual thing it's not the same it's the same with virtual concerts i like them but it's not the same as being there live in person, having the vibe of either the athletes or the entertainers. But hopefully, you know, we'll get past this madness and we'll come up to some new normal that includes fans because we are going to have a new normal. I think the new normal will probably involve some sort of testing when you go to games, definitely probably wearing masks and things for a number of years. So hopefully we'll get to a new normal where we can't have fans and even where I can have maybe go catch a game with Dean, maybe watch one of the HBCU games in Virginia or here in Durham, and we can at least give a fist bump even if we can't shake hands. But there are ways that we can get around doing what we've got to do and get to some of the sports activities. At least that's what I'm rooting for. What about you, Dean? Are you rooting for the same thing that we'll actually be able to watch some of these games live and in person? Because I know that that's what I like to do as a fan. I love seeing it on TV, but I also love going to the games. I really miss going to, and I don't go all that often, but I really miss going to the few times of a Bulls game and watching our minor league baseball team. And I know you're up there with like the real big leagues and everything. So I know you've been missing going to the games and are probably hoping that you can get to one in 2021. Am I correct? Well, I, I, my biggest thing is to get down there to Baltimore to to a Ravens game. That's that's my 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 goal. You know what I mean. So hopefully we'll get there. We'll take our time. No, I'm in no big rush, man, because this this pandemic has made another uh, swing around. So to be on the safe side, I can wait it out because I don't want to go yep. in too early and then. The clock hits zero on your life, so you know you gotta pick which one. I'll just watch it right now. The way they're doing it, they're playing the game, so that's good enough for me. I don't care about the people in the stands right now because I'm not there. But you know, with with at least it's not all the way shut down, so that that is a good thing. That is a good thing, and I agree with you on that. Even on the music scene, it's not all the way shut down, even though, like I said earlier, a couple of the venues have shut down for a number of months, and definitely 
you know, that's going on with Broadway, you know, that's going on with theaters like my Carolina Theater and the Haytai and a number of other places. But they are doing virtual events in some of these venues, even uh, though some of the venues are still trying to figure out how that whole virtual thing will work out. So definitely I do know they're trying to do things virtually or find other ways to stay engaged with their audience, even on the entertainment side. But I'm with you in the sense of we got to make sure that everything is done safely before we enter back. I know that even though I was not the biggest fan of the Carolina Theater shutting down to June, if we have to come back in March or April and things are still not going well, and we have to say that we're shutting it down for the rest of the year, I will understand because I want to make sure that whenever we reopen those doors, that we're reopening them safely and in an effective way that is going to make sure that everybody is doing it safely and being able to as you just put it dean keep their lives going and everything of that nature we don't need to be putting people in unnecessary risk so definitely as long as we don't have the uh vaccine out there to the masses and as long as other things are going on we've just got to cope with it and deal with the new normal until we can figure out what the new normal will look like so we do know that whatever the new normal will be like it probably won't be what we were used to i'm imagining that even some of our big theaters and our big coliseums that we're doing like amphitheaters and things of that nature Whenever we get out of this pandemic, I think that we're going to see some things that will be different, even in the ways that they are regulated and things along that line. So I think that we're in for a long haul of change. So definitely I'm with y'all that we need to make sure that whatever this change is, that is done in the correct way and it is done in a safe way. So definitely I know that our new leadership will be trying to make sure that it's done safely. I think that they'll be definitely enforcing some of the roads with the bars and the restaurants and things of that nature, where some other folks are being slick and not letting folks do anything in that regard. So that being said, I know that I'm ready to get on out of here. I've done my three podcasts for today and we've had all kinds of great conversation. I definitely appreciated Russ joining us and Dean I think it was a great show and we definitely covered everything from motivational speaking to uh, sports to a number of other things even talking little politics and everything along that line so I know we've got the replay so tell folks where they can catch the replay and I know that I'm lining up some more amazing guests including some musicians some motivational speakers and some entrepreneurs so definitely do pay attention and like I said the educational forum will be taking place at the online dinner party on the uh, international broadcast media network on Wednesday so definitely some things are happening I'm already lining up some guests for all of the shows that we're involved in so definitely look forward to that I'm even trying to find some folks for the gamers then which my friend Jatobi does he's the main host but I do pop in and I try to help him find some guests so we're looking at some gaming folks including some gaming folks in our minority community so definitely have been reaching out to folks LinkedIn is a powerful source so I do like using LinkedIn to reach these folks and of course I'm still trying to find me some more New Jersey folks because I don't want to keep all the guests in the southeast or even over there in the west coast where Russ came from trying to get them from throughout the country and he, and if y'all are listening y'all throughout the world reach out to me bluesradio at gmail.com if you're an entrepreneur if you're an activist if you're a creative if you're involved in a number of these wheelhouses that me and Dean are involved in we would love to talk to you so all you got to do is reach out to me at bluesradio at gmail.com and of course we'll get you on one of our various platforms and we would love to have you engaged in conversation with us so definitely i know that me and dean always a great love having amazing guests and we've been doing this now for a number of years as a matter of fact i think we're selling aren't we past six years are we pushing near seven dean we just reached six we just, we're on our way to seven we just, 
That's right. We just reached six and are on our way to seven. So we're going to keep this thing rolling as long as we can and definitely love having these engaging conversations. So, Dean, if you'll tell the folks your favorite parting words, I know that I'm going to try to go find me some food. I don't have any chili, so it might be me ordering some food or it might be me making a quick run, depending on what's going on, if it's raining or not outside. But I'm thinking that I need to find me some food and everything. So that's going to be my parting words. But if you'll tell folks where they can hear us tomorrow, as well as your favorite closing line then we'll wrap up this particular show and we'll have some more great guests on next week and of course on the uh, online dinner party in two days well y'all it's straight talk with Dana Mark Monday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time be sure to catch the replay on the Skyhawk Radio Network tomorrow afternoon and Wednesday afternoon at 2 p.m. if you miss those then we do have replays those replays are on Radio Public, iHeartRadio, Google Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Spreaker, TuneIn, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, Podcast Addict, Castbox, Podfollow, Deezer, Stay Saving, right here on Blog Talk Radio. Like I always say, when you walk outside your front door, it's showtime in the world is your stage. Just make sure that people are not watching the rehearsal. With that being said, it's the six man Dane Geronimo. Have an outstanding week. We see y'all in seven days. That's right. We'll see him in seven days, and that'll be the first one in December. As we head on to the end of the year, and we just get ready to bounce and have great conversations about this amazing 2020 and heading into 2021. And like Dean said, we're out of here. <laughs> 